Welcome to Social PR Secrets. My name is Lisa Beyer and I'll be your host. Today's guest, I have the pleasure of introducing Robin Lindars. Robin and I go way back about 12 years ago when I was just transitioning from traditional PR to exploring the digital PR superpowers. And Robin was working for a company called MarketWire. It was a PR distribution company. She also had started this tiny little blog called Grill Girl. And it was from that blog that I actually learned how to grill myself. And fast forward to today, Robin has created a movement with Grill Girl. And she has been featured on the Today Show. She created a recipe book that's on Amazon. And in today's interview, Robin and I talk about where we started and where we are today when it comes to digital PR, social listening, SEO, and how women can rule the world with grilling. Welcome, Robin Lindars. I am very excited to have a blast from my past. Robin Lindars is here and she is the founder of Grill Girl. Hey, hey, Robin, how are you? Thanks so much for having me, Lisa. I am wonderful. Thanks for, for having me on your podcast. Definitely, definitely. So we met, I'm going to just guess, was it 12 years ago? It was about 12 years ago in the world of press release distribution, believe it or yes. not. Yes. Yes. At the time, I think you were working for MarketWire, which is now not even MarketWire. It's been bought out. And, but it was at the time a competitor of like PR Newswire and BusinessWire, which, and e-releases, which is still here today, right? Yep. Yep. And I think they're like under the, maybe even under the NASDAQ umbrella, but that's, that's how we met. I think I was trying to sell you press release distribution <laughs> back in and, the day. And you know what? <laughs> and I was believing in it and buying it <laughs> because at the time it was when optimizing press releases was so new and getting them into the digital feeds and search engines was, I thought was very innovative and interesting. And here we are today, 12 years later, and we were just talking about it before we started recording how it's amazing how PR agencies still really aren't up to date when it comes to weaving in SEO and social media into the PR strategy. Yeah, it's, I think people just put all of these things in different buckets and and oftentimes think they don't connect or touch or that they don't work together. And that's, that's, it's unfortunate because we know all of this stuff works together. You can't really pigeonhole something and, you know, just feel like it works on its own because it it really is kind of a a holistic undertaking when you go to do, to do PR these days, it it all ties into your social and the the whole SEO thing. It's, it's all working together as, as you know. Yes. Yes. And when we met and up until recently you had, you had your main professional job and then you had this kind of side hustle, which I was super interested in even 12 years ago. And that was, you started Grill Girl. So tell us a little bit about Grill Girl and how it got started. And then your parallel in, and with your social listening profession and where we are today. Yeah. So I will try to summarize this as, as succinctly as possible, but I have a background as uh, I have a journalism degree, like, like you, and I've always loved to write. And then I found myself working for this this press release distribution company. And at the time I was learning so much about SEO and blogging was like a really new thing at the time. If, if you can believe it now, it's like no big deal. Everyone's blogging, but at the time it was kind of a new thing. And believe it or not, one night I was having a couple glasses of wine. And the next thing I'm like, Hey, I just started a blog, you know? And it was <laughs> It was like right around the time that I was discovering grilling and, you know, I'm, I'm a Southern girl. I've always loved to cook and, but I I really fell in love with grilling actually because I had, I was using my husband's grill and 
just about singed my eyebrows off on his old grill. A lot of people will have these grills where the the starter, it was a gas grill at the time, the starter is not working and you you keep trying to get it to work and you just pump all this gas into the air. And then when you do finally get it to work, you get this flame ball effect. And so I was like, well, that that was super dangerous. And I was like, you know what? I, I don't want that to happen again. And so I'm, I bought him a new grill and out of my practicality, I was like, I'm going to get my money's worth. I just bought him a top of the line, but at the time it was a Weber Genesis and I started grilling even more. And then, so the blog I had just started morphed into grill girl. And I was just wondering like, why are more chicks not into grilling? Like myself, like if I can do it, clearly anybody can do it. And, and also just why do all, why do the guys get to have all the fun? Like I realized like, this is a great way to cook. It's just so fun, so enjoyable. It's a great way to spend time outside. It creates less dishes than cooking in the kitchen. And that that's really when I, I set out to use Grill Girl as an opportunity to document the stuff I was trying, you know, different recipes, but also to evangelize grilling to other women. Like if, if me, a little pipsqueak me can do it, like anybody can do it. And that's really kind of taken me down a very fun path and opened up a lot of opportunities for me in the food world. But but it all started with me just wanting to grill and almost singeing my eyebrows off. And uh, like 12 years later, I've been on the Today Show and I've had a, a few stints on TV, like on the uh, Chopped Grill Masters and the, the Cooking Channel and whatnot. And so it's just been really cool. It's a, been a cool experience, but kind of like you, like where we are saying, where I can't believe more people aren't like really thinking about how PR and social and SEO all work hand in hand. I still, 12 years later, am still kind of, amazed that more women are not grilling. So uh, I guess all of these things take time and we've always been early adopters. So, so I'm still really leading the charge and trying to evangelize grilling to women. And I am kind of my own guinea pig and that I've had to really learn all this stuff as it relates to running a website and building a social presence. I am my own guinea pig. And so while I started the blog, I was still working. I worked for uh, MarketWire. And uh, like we mentioned, they compete with like a news, PR Newswire and BusinessWire. And it was working there that I was really learning so much about SEO and um, even just for my own self, how to get Grill Girl to rank well. Because when I first even got the URL, Grill Girl, I spelled it weird because some lady in Canada had bought the regular URL that's for Grill Girl. And she was asking it like a pretty high price. So it took me a couple of years to get the URL I wanted. So I was SEOing myself for all the different spellings of Grill Girl, believe it or not. <laughs> so as I said to you, I've kind of learned the hard way on all the stuff not to do, but yeah. And then, then I recently finally went full-time with Grill Girl. But when I was working for the Newswire, they bought a social analytics company. And so then for about 10 years, I worked in the space of social analytics in sales and marketing. So I've learned so much in the world of social analytics, because most brands that you meet these days probably have a social listening or a social analytics tool. Now, whether or not they're using it the right way, who the heck knows? I think that's a journey everyone's experienced or learning, but, but yeah, so I've had a lot of opportunity to learn best practices and also practice them on myself, on myself, if you will. Yes. So that's awesome. And I want to kind of break down some of the things that you talked about, but First, I just want to note that when I met you 12 years ago, even though it was through MarketWire, you just starting, were just starting Grill Girl, and I just was getting divorced and moved on my own as a single mom with my daughter. And the place that I was renting out 
came with this grill. I can't remember the name of it, but it was like some fancy circle grill and you knew what it was at the time. And I was like, Robin, maybe I'll start like reading your blog and learning how to grill. And it was because of you that I learned how to grill on my own. And I'm now the the grill girl of my family. My husband doesn't, I don't even let him get in front of the grill because I feel like I'm, I know so much more than he does. And he doesn't mind because everybody likes the way I grill and I have like the the timing down and all of your tips. So I've been doing that now for 12 years. So it's kind of funny that, yeah, that, and I, and I don't know any, any one of my girlfriends that actually grills, that's actually in front of the grill and, and does it herself or that even wants to, but I think it's empowering. It really is. And what I found is by doing, you know, I started doing these women's grilling clinics too. So they were kind of like my own form of market research in a way. And that a lot of women wanted to grill, but they were intimidated specifically by the, like, like the process of starting the grill. And, and so once you kind of demystify how to do that, then I, I see women being so creative on the grill and then they kind of be like the go-to, per- then they turn into the go-to person in their family. A lot of times people are leaving the grilling to the husband and then they burn the shit out of everything or really are doing that great of a job anyway. And you empower a woman to learn how to use the grill and they take it to the next level. So I love hearing that, Lisa. And there's no doubt in my mind that you're you're just doing amazing things on your grill. So hopefully people <laughs> well, will hear I this think- and, and feel like they can go do it too. Yeah. I think even guys, when it comes to grilling, like nobody really like pays attention and like learns how to grow. They just kind of wing it. And so now I notice like when people are grilling, it's, there's, there's really not any like science to it. They're just kind of guessing until they like kind of figure out how to do it. Right. So I just feel like it's kind of like people just learn golf on their own. They learn grilling on their own. They never really take lessons or pay attention and they just figure it out. And sometimes that's great, but it's just funny how really guys don't really know how to grill, even if the women don't either. Yeah. They just think they do. I think it's their, their God given right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it is so so much fun. So like ladies for whoever's listening, just know you can take your grill back. You can use your grill. Like the gender roles have gone away. Guys are staying home with kids these days and women are the ones like bringing the bacon home or whatever. So like let grilling do that. Let, let grilling be that way too. You know, definitely. I digress. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And I, no, I love also how you gave up your basically like day job to really follow your passion and do what you love. And when I saw that announcement on LinkedIn, I was so excited to see that and catch back up with you. And, but what I'd really love for you to share, as you mentioned, how you, I saw you on the Today Show, just by coincidence, I happened to be watching the Today Show and I'm like, oh my God, Robin is on the Today Show with Carson Daly right now, grilling, showing Carson Daly how to grill. So how did that happen? And share some of your other PR secrets. Absolutely. So believe it or not, I had, I had been doing some, some videos and this was earlier in the days of YouTube. And I was working with the lamb board. They were trying to make lamb sexy or make people think of lamb outside of just like your major holidays. And so I was doing all this recipe development for them and produced a series of videos in my backyard. And they were looking to find kind of like young up and coming chefs, I guess, um, very much like, I think they were looking to tap into the social sphere. And, and this was like six, six or six years ago, it was before I had a kid. So probably about six years ago. And that's, believe it or not, how they found me. And so I think the funny part about that is a lot of times people think that they need to do these very high-end videos or very like polished videos or, or whatever it is. And of course, a lot of times past since then, but 
a lot of times it's kind of the, the grainier ones or the, the more just kind of homegrown stuff that I think catches people's attention. Case in point, I just did this video where my son is video, he's filming me he's five. So that tells you something. And we're kind of like, I'm trying to get him to film me while I'm making these quinoa burgers on the grill and he's, we're kind of bickering back and forth, but lo and behold, it goes to make like great, it makes a great video. Cause it's just damn funny, you know? And <laughs> when I look back at all my analytics, that's the stuff people love. It was like me in my backyard bickering with my son who's filming me over like the super polished one that I might do where my hair looks really good and all the yeah. shots are perfect. So, so I guess the tip there would be sometimes it's the real stuff that gets you, that gets you noticed. What is it that makes you stand out? So I will say that I think what has helped me get press over, over the years, and I've done a really good job of getting myself press um, because I had that background working in the world of PR, basically selling press release distribution services to PR people. I really kind of practice this stuff on like, I practice what I preach, you know? So I think a good example of, of getting press was Believe it or not, I started doing their women's grilling clinics as an opportunity to just kind of create awareness of like my website and my brand. And so, but if you think about it, a good opportunity to get press is to host an event. So I started, so I did like my first women's grilling clinic and it was out of that that I actually got like a full page spread in the Sun Sentinel, uh, believe it or not. And so those are the kind of things that I'd, I'd say when you're thinking about getting press, like can actually work for you. And it was, it was also an, another thing was, was funny is that speaking of practicing what I preach, I worked for a distribution company for a long time and I actually did a press release about myself, um, launching my women's grilling clinics online because I did a series of YouTube videos that I call grill school that essentially, um, are the same things that I would teach in, if we had an in-person class, but I just did it all online. And I really just wanted to create like. I wanted some, some additional like backward links to my website. And I just wanted to um, get a little bit more buzz around my brand. Um, but I didn't really think anything was going to come of it. And I actually did get a couple of phone calls and actually got like a really big um, article in the, what's it called? The business journal, one of the business journals, it was the Sarasota business journal here in Florida. And they were featuring like up and coming entrepreneurs. So, so anyway, I think if you put this stuff in practice, it actually can work for you. For you. Like I, I wrote a press release about myself, actually got some press, imagine. And just I, the advice I always give to people too, is just like, what, what is it that is a little bit different that, that you do? Like for me, being a, a woman in a very like male dominated field actually allowed me to kind of, kind of cut through a lot of noise as it relates to just bloggers. Because there's a lot of bloggers out there, but there weren't a lot of like, especially when I first started, now there are more, but there weren't a lot of women grilling. In fact, I was one of the only ones out there that had started a blog about grilling, you know, there were a few women that were doing it, but it wasn't like they hadn't just started on the blogger blogosphere, if you will. So if you are looking to do something, I'd say find that niche that sets you apart. Like what is your point of differentiation, whatever that may be, because it's just going to make that much, it's going to make it that much easier to get a story about whatever it is. Definitely. And I think that that is also a niche that has helped set me apart because most PR agencies don't really focus on SEO and social media. But I think that one of the things that you that you mentioned, I get this all the time from clients and, and prospects, but it's like nobody wants to start with the, the chamber or the local board of whatever, like a, a 
at a very like local level or a very small level because they want the big home run. And what typically happens is these little things that are done, like your examples that you didn't know where it was going to end up, like it, that it would end up in a feature in the Sun Sentinel or the business journal. But these little things are the ones that start the momentum and the person that's in charge of these, maybe it's a small publication in a year or two might be at a very large publication, did the interview with you and remembered you and now is going to circle back to you. So there's so many different ways that small things turn into big, big things in PR. And a lot of times clients will say, well, how big is that distribution? You know, what, what are the, what are the stats on that publication? And it, it's kind of like, if it matches your audience, it doesn't matter. Like if, if it's a, if it's your audience and it's a small audience, that's a great starting point. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and you don't even know, I mean, it could be a local a paper, but it could be read by that right person that is launching a new venture or is, is starting a new venture that could be really beneficial for your business. So the small things matter too. And I, and you have to put the work in, like the big stuff doesn't always happen overnight. What is that expression where they say like, the harder I work, the, the luckier I get. And that's a hundred percent true. I mean, it, it took me 12 years to quit my day job because I, I wasn't also like a, uh, I wasn't like a stay at home mom who was like, I'm just going to start a blog. Like I was a, and what, <laughs> what my sister calls like an earner. Like we were, I didn't really have the, I wasn't in a position where it could be like, well, let's just see how this goes. Like we like things like health insurance, <laughs> you know, yes, and so yes, I really yes. We had to get to the point where I'm like, okay, my blog or my website generates enough traffic and that now with ads, it can pay the mortgage most months, which is great, but it took me a while to get there. And it took me like a shitload of content to get there, which I developed over the years, you know? So everyone has their path. And I think the, the, the moral of the story is the harder you work, <laughs> the luckier you get. So the small things matter too. I was just on Reddit yesterday. I'm putting together my class, Modern PR Secrets, and was just kind of on the the subreddit for public relations, which I haven't really been active before on that. And it just so happened that one of the first posts that were up that people were commenting on, somebody was asking about, is it worth it to do a press release through a business wire or a PR newswire? Is it worth it to do that anymore? And a couple of the comments were, oh, that's only for SEO or that's only for companies that are publicly traded. And your example of, and I hear all the time, like aren't press releases just for SEO? And part of one of the things I'm teaching in the class, and I think you just used the example of it is I always recommend to do a paid distribution for a press release if they can, if they have the news to support it once a month, because yeah, it does help with SEO, but what it really helps is get that um, exposure to journalists that might be searching on Google for the topic that you're reporting on and they're going to find you in a Google search or in Google news if you do that paid distribution. And it's it's so much more than SEO. It's just expanding your, your news reach to the search engines and the people that are searching for those topics. Absolutely. And I think in, in today's day and age, I think there's something to be said about taking that extra step and doing the press release because there is so much noise to cut through that it does almost help you stand out from a branding perspective when people are looking for a bona fide source for a story and your your press release comes out i mean it's it's a nice way to cut through everything else that's out there so yeah, who, i didn't expect to get pressed events. and it worked yeah <laughs> so, uh, yeah your example of awesome. events too, I love that because now, I mean, even more than ever, we have, 
if you're if you're having an event, you can you know use Facebook Live, Instagram Live, even LinkedIn Live. You can post your event on Facebook events. I mean, there's so many different ways to get exposure using social for your events and and maximize that reach compared to how maybe five years ago. Absolutely. And it, and it gives you a reason to talk about yourself, to be honest. And I would say another tip was I was doing this stuff, still working a full-time job, doing it to get my name out there. And the other thing I was doing, and this was, I'm learning, I was just learning so much working in the industry was a lot of people think, oh, well, I need, I need to do this, this, and this, or I need, I need to have a, an agency to do this for me or whatever. I mean, I was pretty much like pitching myself. I hired a girl who was a PR intern at the university of Miami at the time who was, she was trying to get experience and I needed some help and she would pitch for me. And, and it, it got me some articles. Like it got me an article in the Miami Herald. So I guess, I think a lot of it is just like, think outside the box and just, just do the hustle, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so I, I, that's why I think a lot of times PR is not always that, that, I don't know, maybe it's categorized as like this big, scary thing. And we, it's, it's like a, a major endeavor, but I think it's just like putting your boots on the ground and, and getting your name out there is really what it's all exactly. about. And, and maybe the methods change. Maybe it's not the long end, long form press release. Maybe it's finding the, the, the influencers or the, the journalists you want to talk to. And instead of sending them an email you start interacting with them online where they're most active. Like I actually, I don't even know who it was, but I started interacting with a reporter, someone in Miami that we just both seem to like the same thing, you know? And it was like, it's kind of like a relationship building exercise, which I think is what social is all about anyway, is making, Def making relationships or building Definitely. relationships. Definitely. Will you share some tips from when you were on the Today Show? Like, were you nervous? What was it like if you, what, you know, if somebody has that opportunity, what would you recommend to prepare? Or... Yeah. So my tip, what my tip, and I learned this the hard way is, and I was so nervous. I was so nervous, but what I was really nervous about was, and I didn't have the balls or the wisdom at the time to push back because I was so like just starstruck at the fact that the Today Show had asked me to come grill with them that I just was like, okay, whatever you want. You know what I mean? And had I been a little bit more like, and I think all of these things come with time and wisdom and age. Like I was in my mid thirties now, I'm 42 now. So I've just, I'm just am better about pushing back and knowing exactly what I want, what I don't want. But Case in point was the culinary director really wanted, and she had just like, she had this idea in her mind that she really wanted to, to do something on like store-bought pizza dough. And so she was all about me doing like grilled pizza. Now for anyone that's, that's done grilling, grilled pizza can be a very nuanced thing. And it can especially be a nuanced thing if you're on a grill that you've never used before. And so here I was doing pizza and calzones, mind you, out on the plaza, like rolling dough out there. So I guess the point is, is like, be confident in knowing like what you want to do and don't let them push you around. Because like, if you're the subject matter expert, and that's why you're bringing they're why they're bringing you on, then don't let them tell you what they want you to do. So for example, like the girl before me got to do chicken and I would have loved to have done chicken. Like how easy is chicken to grill? Meanwhile, I'm out there like rolling pizzas out with Carson's daily. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so that's what really, for me, sc screwed it up and made it almost like a stressful experience because I didn't feel confident in doing it on TV. Like I'd done grilled pizza, but it wasn't like, that's, I wasn't, 
they didn't find me doing a grilled pizza video. They actually found me doing lamb. You know what I mean? But I wasn't, it's like they weren't, I wasn't known as pizza girl. She just had this idea that she thought would be cool. But then again, like, what does she even know about grilling? Let's be honest here. Like mm-hmm, she just mm-hmm. thought the idea was, was a good idea. So I wish I had been like, what, here's what I feel comfortable doing. And here's your three options. And in this is not pizza, you know, right, because yeah. I think I would have had a better experience with myself overall doing a recipe I was comfortable with and being able to be like, yeah, I love that recipe. That's a signature Robin recipe, blah, blah, blah. And most people probably don't even know that for me, it was a bad experience. Well, I'd say like kind of an experience that was very stressful just because I didn't like the recipe and it, or I didn't like, it just was not what I would have chosen to do on national television, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And so I think that's where my, my tip would be is like, make sure if you're going to do it, don't let them bully you into like what their narrative is or what they want to do. Like do what you feel comfortable with because you're out there putting your brand on the line as well. So make sure it's, you know, and I have a manager now, he probably would have been like, no, Robin's not doing pizza. She wants to do this or whatever, but I didn't at the time. So those are all things. It's just like, be comfortable in knowing like who you are and what you want to do so that you're not forced into doing something that's not like really something you feel comfortable in or um, is on brand for you. Yeah. And I mean, you said you have a manager now and I, I, it kind of goes in line with like, you just need somebody to maybe be your spokesperson. And that person doesn't have to be like an expensive manager because that, that sounds like official and, but everybody can have an official quote unquote manager, but, and it can just be like your sister, or it could be like your, your best friend. Oh, talk to my manager. They don't need to know that it's your best friend. But at least it's somebody that is kind of your in between you and the opportunity so they can kind of, it's, you're not feeling like, like you said, like pressured or you're going to do something you don't want to do. You can have confidence and have somebody kind of speaking for you. Absolutely. And I would say like any, any situation where you're quote unquote, the talent, it's always nice to be able to have like that other person to negotiate on your behalf where you, you can in essence play good cop and bad cop. You know what I mean? Because um, like the reason they reach out to you is the talent is they love your ideas. They love the presence you bring. But then when you have to start talking about like dollars and cents and negotiating your rates and things like that, it's really nice when you can outsource some of those, at least some of those discussions and then not have to like kind of co-mingle those things, you know? So to your point, it doesn't have to be someone expensive. It could just be a sister or maybe a friend in the family who's a lawyer or whatever, but just someone who's going to help you in that negotiation and just have your best interests at heart as well. Right. Or the publicist or the PR agency, or even if it's your in-house PR, if you're a brand that has an in-house PR department, that somebody from there can do it versus the person that's actually being interviewed. So you're not having to maybe make a quick decision that you regret. Exactly. Like, it's just nice to have someone to, yes, be like your first line of defense. And yeah, that's exactly like your publicist can be kind of like, is this on brand for them? And, And really kind of bring that angle to it. So absolutely. So since you've spent really the last 10 years in the whole social analytics, social listening arena, what are some tips that you can give to any brand, any size that are important today that they can immediately maybe activate and start doing? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I can, I can talk so much about this because I did this for so long and I, and I did it for myself too, but you, know, I think a lot of people think, oh, I need a big budget if I'm going to do social listening and you can, you can do social listening for pretty inexpensive and there are definitely less expensive tools out there. But I, I think the, the biggest mistake people make is when they start doing it is they only look at themselves. Like I'm only monitoring my brand, for example, and they don't look at the 
larger universe that their brand plays. And I think that's where there's a lot of missed opportunity. Like, let's just say you're Coke and you only look at Coke, but you don't look at Pepsi or all the other brands out there. Then you're really, you're only looking at the the conversation as it relates to you, but you're not missing that. You're not really seeing the bigger picture. And so where I think there's a lot of value is really um, doing categorical research and categorical analysis. So, and actually I believe it or not, Coke did do this, but you, let's just say, instead of just looking at Coke, like, let's say what's going on in the world of beverages. Think about like five years ago, everyone started having the conversations about sugar and how childhood diabetes and blah, blah, blah. And so you really need to understand what's going on in your industry so that you can use that to your advantage to understand what's the right messaging, what are the changes and shifts in the industry that we can really use to our advantage or just be more competitive. Like imagine even before COVID happened, think about how everyone was all about keto <laughs> in a world that it's like, you. it's hard to ignore these things. So it's like, you can't just be a brand and only think about how things touch your brand. You really have to think about the the universe you operate in. Like imagine if as a brand had never like changed their, their messaging when, when COVID hit, then it would have been very, it would be like, okay, what are you? Are you tone deaf? Like what's going on? You know? So no matter what industry you're in, there's so much value to be found in just understanding the larger trends that are impacting your industry, whether you're B2C, B2B, whatever that is, there's value in understanding what's going on and what's shifting so that hopefully you can, you can be better prepared for those shifts and, and message accordingly, but maybe also just prepare your own company and understanding are people starting to like this better than this and, and maybe shift your product lineup or start thinking about things that you hadn't thought about before, just based on how the market's changing. So I'd say the biggest the biggest mistake people make is only looking at themselves, like having a very me-centric perspective when they do social listening. And, and also thinking that it's only for big brands. I mean, really it's for everyone. And I think what you see these days, which is really exciting, is you see these like e-commerce brands that they just go direct to consumer. They cut the middleman out and they start like purely on social and they're doing really well. Like look at the, the glossiers of the world and the like the, the dollar shave club type of business models. So I mean, I feel like almost those brands have have done a really good job of of speaking to a need in the market and and then going after it. And, and that's when you start seeing the big brands like, wow, how can we do more of this? So, I mean, in, in some some respects, some of the smaller companies have the ability to be more nimble than the big ones do that have layers and layers and layers of bureaucracy and that that can't make change quickly. So there's that too. So so if you do start listening doing social listening, I would just say like, focus on what's going on in your world, not just how it affects you. Like that's, that's one piece of the puzzle. And even if you can't afford like a paid tool, I mean, for me, I love to get on Google search trends and just say like for, for myself, let's say, am I develop? I'm going to develop recipes for Thanksgiving. What are people searching for? Because I want to create recipes that people are going to be looking for. Like, what is the market asking for? Like case in point for Thanksgiving. I was actually working on some recipes for the turkey board, the national turkey board. And I was already going, and I was thinking about doing a spatchcock chicken, which is when you butterfly a chicken and grill it. And, and believe it or not, there was like a thousand percent increase in spatchcock uh, turkey for, I think I just said chicken. I meant to say turkey or <laughs> on Google, Google search trends. So that let me know, like, that is a good idea. I should, you know, I should go down this path. And I started seeing things like, 
if I'm looking for desserts, like what are people looking for? And it was like vegan pumpkin pie or apple pie with the cheese on it, like things that are unique, which lets me know, like if it's something that's kind of unique and niche, then I have a better, op- I have a better um, opportunity to maybe cut through all the noise online if I develop a recipe that's very unique to what people are searching for. Yes, I totally agree. And can you give some, so a paid example would be NetBase where you were just working for the past um, like five or six years or mm-hmm. what would, so what's seven an, years? Can you, seven years. Tell us about that as a paid example to get an idea and then some free examples besides Google search if you have any. Yeah. So I know that uh, NetBase is, it's definitely more of a premium tool, but I mean, it's, well, any paid tool, people are going to think of it as being premium, but they have done a lot of pricing where it's very friendly for smaller businesses. And, but I, I see people using things like, like for myself, obviously there's Google, Google search trends. And, and this is more of a, I'd say an SEO focused tool, but I find it really valuable is like a, an Uber suggest like from Neil Patel. So that's more of a, an SEO play, but it allows you to understand specifically what people are searching for. So it'll give you like an idea of the search volume of each word. And, and then you can at least see, am I like for me, am I even developing a recipe for something that's even like people even search for? Like here's a case in point, like I was redoing an old Jamaican jerk spice rub recipe I had on my website. And I was seeing instead of people weren't searching specifically for spice rub, they were searching for Jamaican seasoning. So it let me know that I should include those words in, in the tag, you know? So, so there are some free tools like that. A lot of them you'll, you'll sign up for the free tool. I think there's like a BuzzSumo as well, which was pretty, I think you might, a lot of these, you can at least do a free trial and try Mm -hmm. it out. And that one's more of a content. You'd see, let's, I'm on the website now, find the content that performs the best and collaborate with influencers who matter. So, so there's that. So play around with those kind of things. And also even like, I even just set up Google alerts for myself on things that I want to keep in content or just kind of keep a pulse on. Like I've set up Google alerts for food trends and pellet smoker trends, because in, in the market of grilling, pellet smokers are really in growth mode and there's a a couple like big companies but there's a lot of new companies coming out and so I want to try to stay on top of like the latest technology so so those are some of the things I I use just at my disposal as as just little old me working for myself now those are great tips thank you so much so if somebody's just starting out what advice would you give to entrepreneurs that are ready maybe have a passion have an idea and ready to take the next step. Yeah. So if there's anyone who's thinking about, and I can speak specifically to the world of blogging, like I can tell you what not to do because I've done things the wrong way and had to learn the hard way, but from the the world. And I think this actually relates to anyone who's going to have a website, honestly, which is anyone that's starting a business or something will have some kind of website for something. So this is valuable in that when you start a website, the, the norm for websites is WordPress, but even if you get a WordPress theme and you end up getting a, a word or a WordPress developer or a website developer, they're going to develop your website to look pretty and you're going to have the look and feel you want. But what a website developer is not going to do is they're not going to be able to tell you if it's um, search friendly or if it's, if it's SEO friendly. And so I've made this mistake multiple times and I'm actually going through this right now because I love the look and feel of my site 
but unfortunately it's not SEO friendly. So case in point, like the categories on my website, I have all these different categories, pork, chicken, big green egg recipes, yada, yada, yada. But behind the category, where the categories are, the way that the site is built is you can't see the content behind the category like placeholder. So I could have 20 recipes on pork, but they don't index, they're not seen to Google because they're behind this category wall. So the, the, the advice is if you're going to spend the time and put money into a website, don't just get a website developer, but find someone that knows WordPress and SEO that can also make sure that you're doing things the right way, like from the ground up so that you don't then go and build a website that looks pretty, but isn't SEO friendly, and then have to go and repair all the mistakes you fix or all the mistakes that were created down the line, like put a bandaid on it. So it's, it's worth the money up front to make sure that those two things are taken to an account because you, you create your website, you create your content on, but you also have to, to put the content or you have to put the information out there so that it's, it's found by Google bots essentially. So, Definitely. and a, and a can... regular website, I won't tell you that unfortunately. Right. Or even a website agency that's designing a website, they'll say, oh yeah, it's going to be SEO friendly. But meanwhile, nothing is filled in. Like there's not any metadata and alt tags and they just hand it over design friendly, but not necessarily SEO friendly populated. Exactly. And there's so many little things to that. It's, it's like when I get it, the person, a designer is good at design, but that doesn't mean that they're good at SEO and vice versa. So you really kind of have to hire the person that's specialized for what they do. So if you're going to take the time to do a website, take, take an extra $500 out of your budget and have someone who understands that like SEO and how it plays with WordPress and have them make sure everything or have them look it over before you, you put that website out to the world. And the other thing I would share with people is, so that's what I've learned the hard way. I've redone my website three times. I had it hacked one time. Um, and it was down for like two weeks. So I've, I've definitely had some trials and tribulations. But the other thing I would say is a lot of people really, when they think about like, I need to be on social, they think about Instagram and Instagram is great from a branding perspective. Like I love Instagram for that. Like a lot of people have found me from Instagram and it's great. But the thing about Instagram is it's, it's not searchable like a, like a piece of content on your blog will be. And it doesn't for the most part, direct any traffic back to your website. So while people can, you can search and buy stuff on Instagram via your, the, because it's, it's shoppable, but to actually direct more traffic back to your website, there are definitely other social networks that do a better job. And for me, as a, as a, someone who does recipes, Pinterest has been huge for my traffic. And I feel like Pinterest is the, is the social network that people often ignore or just don't think about. But if you have a site that you are selling things on or monetizing, then traffic is a big deal to you. So, which is why Facebook is also important because at least you get like direct links back, but still Pinterest, Pinterest is very, has been really, 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 really important for my website. Like I, in the past two years, I, I redid all my content and I made it Pinterest friendly. And I actually even hired someone that just does Pinterest for me as far as a Pinterest networking perspective, doing things like creating boards and, and networking and sit in, um, you can create what's called group boards, which is kind of how you can like engage and interact on Pinterest where you save their content, they save yours, yada, yada, yada. 
but it's really, really great for getting your content found and getting actual clicks to your website, which is what you want. For me, I'm monetizing via ads and I will start selling things soon. I have a barbecue rub coming out. And so that's really where I want to be found, you know? And so when I look at my Google analytics, I see um, that all my hard work over the past two years has really paid off dividends in making all my content Pinterest friendly. And what I mean by that is, and, and a lot of even corporate websites have a really great opportunity if you have a corporate blog to make your articles Pinterest friendly, because if you're, if you're taking the time to put a blog together, then you have content that's valuable and you're sharing to the world. And so the blog we know is great for a lot of different reasons. And it gives your website a fresh place to have content found. It makes it searchable for whatever those keywords are. But from a Pinterest perspective, I mean, you'll see in search that Pinterest often will make your content index via Pinterest as well. So it gives you one more place to get found, but people save the content and then go back to it later. So the way you make that content look is different than it would look for other social networks because it's specific to the Pinterest feed. But the beauty of all these like free apps that are out there these days is they make it super easy to make Pinterest friendly content. So let's just say we had a blog post your corporate blog post was like top 10 um, or top five things to dispel, to dispel about social listening or whatever it is, or top five PR myths. Well, then you could make a, a Pinterest image that then says all of those things and is Pinterest friendly. And then you can start circulating that pen in, and it's associated with that unique URL from your blog. And you start circulating that on Pinterest. And now you've got that content that's just working that much harder for you. And then gives you that link back to your website. Yeah, I love that. I interviewed the creative strategist for BuzzFeed a couple of years ago, maybe like four years ago. And it was so interesting because he shared that Pinterest was their number one referring um, source of traffic above Facebook. And I mean, that's not even like, that's just basically an online magazine where they were working so that they were making things Pinterest friendly. And I mean, that's basically free traffic. I mean, in today's day, whether it's organic Google or coming from an organic source of a social network, as long as you're optimizing for that network and that's where your audience is, it's so valuable. And that just reminds me, I'm going to include Pinterest as a a PR channel in my course because of just that reason. It's, it's not just for recipes, but for you, it's perfect. It could be for any industry because people use Pinterest like a search engine. Absolutely. I mean, if there's any interest, if there's anything that's worth making a post about, it's got an opportunity to do well on Pinterest. Like I've done, I have, I've started a lifestyle side of my site because I'm, I also, believe it or not, outside of just grilling, I have a lot of other stuff going on that I'm interested in, but I love design. I fixed up an old tin can camper, like a vintage camper, you know, like my glamper. And I did a thing on Pinterest (laughs) for that. And it does really well. I did an article on top five mascaras picked by, you know, female pit masters, which are great. That's a great place to test out mascaras really. But you know what I mean? So, I mean, it's any kind of content I've looked for B2B content as well. And there's, there's a decent amount there. So it's, it's like the ignored network that pays dividends for website traffic. I love that. I love that. Okay. Well, Robin, one other thing, share with us your favorite recipe and then where we can find out more about you and follow you and anything that you have coming up. Yeah. So I've got a lot of neat stuff going on. Oh, and just to book, just to book in the whole thing on Pinterest, mm-hmm. this has been a game changer for me. It's called Adobe spark post in the mobile app. I think it's $10 a month. It used to be free, but it is totally worth it for making pens. It's easier than Canva. 
and it makes it very easy to just on the fly, pull a picture off your phone and make a pen and stick it in your website. So Adobe Spark Post is the bomb. I love it so much. Or any kind of like graphic for your website and you can choose it, choose whatever size you want for Facebook or for Instagram or whatever, but I love Spark Post. So what do I have going on? So believe it or not, before we jumped on this, I'm actually doing a grilling focused magazine this summer. I just pulled the trigger on it and it's a grill girl magazine. So my goal is to just hopefully inspire more women to grill and everyone in their grilling journey, not just women, but just, you know, I feel like, especially in the, these days, like we saw last year with the pandemic, a lot of people were we're really finding refuge in their backyard. And so I, I would love to help people explore the, all the fun that can be had in your backyard. And so the, the magazine is going to be doing that and just helping people in their grilling journey. My favorite recipe, I've got so many, but I actually just developed this turkey recipe for the turkey board that I'm really loving because it's super different, but really easy at the same time. And it's, it's actually like you take a boneless turkey breast and you stuff it with, so this one is a blue cheese, craisins, pecan, and thyme stuffed turkey breast that's then smoked on a cedar plank. But believe it or not, I mean, you get like basically stuffed smoked turkey that you are, that's, it's done in less than an hour on the grill. It's amazing. Another thing I'm really into, I mean, I have a lot of really great Jamaican jerk recipes because I, living in South Florida, we had a huge Jamaican mm -hmm. population. And so we've got a lot of that kind of stuff. I mean, a lot of people don't realize that I love to eat healthy. I eat low carb. So, I mean, grilling is a great opportunity to do that. So I have a lot of recipes on my site that are paleo friendly, keto friendly, and, and dig into all of that, but definitely check it out, grillgirl.com. And uh, I will be launching a podcast soon, just kind of digging through all of the, the grilling stuff, a soup to nuts. I get a lot of questions, Robin, what kind of grill can I, should I get? And it's like, well, Let's talk about it. <laughs> you know, it's like you almost need to do like a personality and lifestyle assessment. And just like, how much time do you want to spend on lighting the grill? Or, you know what I mean? Like, what kind of griller are you? So I'll be digging into stuff like that. So I'll be starting a podcast soon. And I am also starting a weekly live stream with my friends, Ryan and Sean from the smoke sheet, just like this week in grilling, where we talk about just trends we're seeing, like trends I'm seeing right now, basically from Instagram, like what's the stuff that's going viral, like these corn ribs that everyone's going crazy over or the smoked feta that everyone's doing. Like it was like a viral TikTok video that went off. So it's kind of okay. just like a, a, so yeah, that's what's going on. I know I'm queen of rambling, but lots of exciting stuff going on. I'm starving now. Like I'm drooling. <laughs> like I have to go get those ribs right now or figure out how to make them. Sounds so good. But well, we'll just point everybody to grillgirl.com and sign up for your email newsletter to get notified on your podcast and your live streams and follow you on your social network so that we're first to know what's happening. And very excited to have you on today and very inspiring. Oh, thanks so much, Lisa. I'm so happy we reconnected. You're a badass. You you are, you are before your time. Like people are finally catching up to this stuff. So if they're listening to your podcast, they're on the right track. That's for sure. Ah, thank you. Thank you. I feel like <laughs> there was no, there was not 10 years in between when we last talked or maybe it was seven years. I feel like it was just like yesterday. So I know you can tell kindred spirits. Yes, yes <laughs> definitely. All right. Well, namaste. Have a great rest of the day.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Social PR Secrets. If you like what you heard, check out the book on Amazon or follow our blog at socialprsecrets.com. This episode was sponsored by The Buyer Group, a social PR agency striving to keep our balance in the digital world, practicing public relations, social media, and search marketing, while occasionally drinking a glass of wine or two for the best creativity and results. Thank you all for tuning in. If you would like to get a free chapter of Social PR Secrets, go to socialprsecrets.com slash free.